Hey, Danny. Yeah. We have a specific Patreon request, actually. Um, oh, yeah. For, for this, uh, members of our, our Patreon, uh, part of our Marvel's Discord uh, for life after being dumb enough to give us money. And one of them yeah. asked for us to mention this in our show notes. Uh, so I will for sure go ahead and say that. Uh, that is okay. Colin Wingo is dumb. Yeah, Colin Wingo is dumb. So dumb. Also, one of my 40k nemesis is who um, I would I, I wouldn't say that I I have bad luck against him. It's just he makes me make very poor decisions on a frequent basis. Um, just the face I get distracted is by. Is that just drinking or like on the table or bounce? Sure, yeah, all of the above. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like yeah, uh, but yeah, welcome to Mob Rules. I am John, joined of course by Danny. Back for a marathon, third time in three weeks. Um, crazy, crazy. After uh, last week's bonus, Taylor, uh, where where <laughs> Taylor came in and, and talked to us about the goings on of Warzone, uh, Warzone Charidon, Charidon. Where do we settle mm-hmm. on that? Uh, it's it's actually Haridon, Haridon with oh. a hard Haridon, like it's like, hard on uh, Warzone hard on yeah. <laughs> the Book of Rust. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Um, like the old rusty, rusty hard on to uh, really spend some solid. Really revitalizes my army. Uh, just that rusty hard on uh, that we're getting from that book there. Um, yeah, kind of going on what's there. Um, lots of feedback, lots of love for Taylor. Um, lots of hatred for skin, which I'm surprised. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people share Taylor's dislike of skin. Uh, so it's the worst organ, actually. I don't know if you knew that. It's the it, it worst is. organ. It is, uh, and also the largest on most people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Danny, what have you been up to these past couple of uh, fascinating weeks? Uh, we didn't really talk about <sighs> oh that Oh my last gosh, time. dude. It seems like it's been a whirlwind, right? Um, so let's see. So we got the Drakari book. We did. Um, uh, I've been making lists and looking at that from a competitive perspective, um, which, I don't know, it seems, seems pretty good. It seems pretty good. Um, there's some people that are calling it broken. I think it's a little bit early to say that, especially with like this being the fourth army book released and like there's, yeah, there's been a lot of Marine supplements, which are technically other armies really, but like we're talking like maybe out of 10, no less than 10 armies. Let's see. Marines, the three big three supplements. Oh, death watch as well. Yep. Necrons, Drakari and death guard. Death guard. So Sorry, how could I forget, John? How All can right, you so forget? Eight. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we'll see. They're very good, and they play exactly like you would expect them to. Uh, they hit like a sledgehammer. Uh, they float like a butterfly, um, and they shoot up a lot of drugs. You know, one thing I like about it so far is every army book has played differently, apart from maybe the Marines were right. obviously, um, but each well, each one is very kind of specific in its playstyle. Like a Drakari army plays differently than a Death Guard army, which plays differently than yeah. a Marine army, um, which I think is the point. Uh, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> so I hope so. And then where are the complaints about, oh, this army is broken, and it's just going to be like this is now the eighth codex in a row that has broken the game and is completely broken. 
Um, cool. You know, cool. So like when Death Guard came out, Mortarian with four war, that was so broken. Uh, you know, not so much. You know, and then when yeah. Dark Angels came out, oh, Deathwing Turbo completely broken. Oh, maybe that one's a little bit more accurate with a couple of the things they can do. Um, <laughs> They're really good. But we're what we're um, what we're sort of just seeing is a lot of a lot of armies coming out and not a lot of games being played. So when they are played. Um, they're mostly viewed online through very good players playing them. So like, oh man, these are too good. Look at what they can do. Doesn't necessarily mean it's broken. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, right now, I mean, they might be overpowered in the meta, but who's to say like what the next book is going to bring? Like Admech is supposed to be next, I think is is what the, what the rumor engine says. I believe so. Hopefully. So, and let me tell you how much a real shooty army Loves to play against a real fragile. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that works out for him. I just hope um, it doesn't turn into like rock, paper, scissors, hammer, like similar to like early age of Sigmar, where like if you had one army, you were gar- like with my night hunt, I was guaranteed to beat um, the Sigmarines, but I would automatically lose to the Caradon overlords because of the way the armies sure. were constructed. That's my only concern when I see like such divergent play styles and army construction coming through well yeah we'll see i i I think there'll always be a place for a super fast fragile army um and if the terrain is good then the shooting shouldn't be that punishing but when they do get shots off it's gonna hurt so um hopefully admech is kind of a more well-rounded army um which they they definitely did that to necrons like necrons have really solid mid-range assault troops which is great um i'm very i'm very happy about that um but we're looking at a whole army, maybe a whole army, uh, whole army redesign. So we'll see how that all, we'll see how that all plays. Um, speaking of Dark Angels, which we were just talking about, yeah, snuck um, that in there. I've been, yeah, <laughs> I've been playing Dark Angels and kind of building a Dark Angels list. Um, so I had some attack bikes 3D printed, um, or just the sidecars for Outrider bikes. So I'm gonna use the Heresy Outrider bikes with uh, cool sidecars that are like servitor operated. Um, with some multi-melts that I have on extra, uh, oh, the scimitar pattern attack by uh, jet bikes that I have a bunch of extra multi-melts on those. So um, I'll be able to make some Ravenwing attack bikes. And then I also have, uh, I bought some Deathwing Terminator boxes, um, which are uh, really cool kits. I, I, haven't bu- I haven't built a bunch of those. I'm a little bit bummed on the options, honestly, because you only get one Thunderhammer and one Chain Fist, and I need like, all my guys to have that stuff so um at least i have enough storm shields that look cool um so i've been building those uh i'm gonna start working on some uh oh what are those some talon master conversions as well i think that's probably my next step i don't really know what i want to do i think i want to try and combine like a space marine well okay so we talked about heresy outriders now i'm going to talk about primaris outriders <laughs> And I'm going to use, uh, I'd like to use a Primaris Outrider bike, like as kind of the base and combine that with uh, like a Custodes jet bike to make like a land speeder sized uh, Talon Master with like one rider. Uh, just because like the regular Talon Master looks kind of stupid, I think he just looks all bolted on and dumb. So we're going to, we'll try something to make him a little, a little cleaner, a little slicker, a little faster. Um, but yeah, uh, so in addition to building Dark Angels, playing dark angels um being dark angels <laughs> yeah <laughs> true um so let's see i played one game in person uh down at the game store they opened up their tables so like full covid precautions like literally we're the only people in there playing a the game 
um, mask wearing required all the time. Got to, got to, got to sanitize those hands all the time. Anyway. Um, so, uh, I played against Mike P, uh, or Mike Pastillans, as you might know him on, uh, Facebook. He does a lot of posting for demons content. Um, anyway, he switched to Necrons. Um, and I tried out my dark angels. I used a couple of proxies and he was nice enough to let me use. Um, and yeah, uh, dude, dark angels, dark angels, fuck. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I had this one round, uh, in that game where, uh, I took the, I got this, the, first of all, these attack bikes, oh man, did they do good. One squad killed a men here with just the bolters. Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, and then he rerolled a save so that it wouldn't die, which was epic. It was super cool. When I, it made me laugh super hard when it happened. And then uh, the multi-meltos managed to take the silent king down pretty far, and I was able to I was able to deliver the death blow with Ezekiel's bolt pistol because <laughs> it's damage too. And I just got that lucky five to wound and just freaking popped the silent king off. It was it was dope. Um, yeah, I won that game, I think, like, 80-something to 60-something. So it was, like, not super. Pretty close. Yeah, it was pretty close. Um, uh, I made some mistakes, and I kind of saw where I could play a little bit better next time. Um, and same with Mike. We talked it over at the end of the game. We did a good postmortem. Uh, and then I also got to play John Kyo Cullen on Tabletop Simulator for the GT that I'm playing in that's online for table, yeah, for Tabletop Simulator, obviously. Uh, I got to play against the Space Wolves. Um, it was a really good game. John, of course, is just a really good Space Wolf player. Um, and uh, he was able to uh, put me in some moves that I was uh, a little uncomfortable with. Um, if you catch my drift. Um, Virtual hugs. <laughs> it was a struggle cuddle. But he... Uh, uh, <laughs> He had some he had some plays that would have been really good, um, except just the dice like shit on him super bad. So every time he kept trying to come back into the game, like his dice would say, nah, bro. And uh and he like so he failed four plus two inch charges at nine inch, like he needed sevens to get in, and he failed four of them. Um, which was really harsh. And basically that took the Terminator side of the game and gave me the initiative to where I could give them voice fights last and then charge them with my Terminators, and they just smoked him. Um, so yeah, big 10 man terminators versus 10 man terminators. What is this meta? Who even knows? <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm making lists with like 25 terminators in it. Just could well, you, could you imagine like two years ago in the eighth, I'm uh, being like, yeah, dude, everyone's list is just going to be terminators. <laughs> oh man. I can't wait for the chaos codex to come out and there'll be like, and chaos terminators to be really good again too. So, like, because that's, like, their elite troops. Like, Terminators are one of the elite Chaos Space Marines troops. Will they be, like, you get one axe per squad and one sword per squad and one combi weapon per squad because that's in the box? Let's not do that one. (laughs) Let's do the other thing. Knocking on wood for that one. That's not happening. I mean, so on on the plus side, like, Space Marine Devastators, right? aren't like that no and they only come with limited options in their box so hopefully they're not like blight lords god i hope so well, i hope not even because uh havocs would be the the biggest uh loser yeah, in could that you end. imagine havocs with one chain cannon i can imagine havocs never being sold again ever uh in the, yeah, in the no, world no fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been up to um 
that's honestly about it. Like personal life has been super busy. Oh, I got my second COVID dose today. Amazing. Um, so that's pretty dope. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm stoked. Mine is tomorrow, um, which means next time oh, we yeah. record, we'll most likely be in person. Um, oh, that's crazy. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's true. It'll be two weeks after that. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? I'm very, I'm very excited for that more than anything else. Um but yeah, it's been like a busy couple of weeks for me too. Um yeah, what have you been up to, John? What have I been up to? Uh, I've been spring cleaning through my unopened boxes and trying to sell some of it. Um, because, yeah. like, I'm looking through it, and my wife's like, didn't you buy that, like, this year? And I'm like, well, yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to take, like, an honest look at what I have um, and what I'm going to use within the next two years. Sure. And I'm, am I, pro- I going to use a, a pair of Helverins? Maybe in the future. Probably not within the next two probably years. Not, yeah. So, uh, if someone else can get used to out of it, then that's all the better. And that can fund my other uh, poor purchases. Uh, I also subscribed to um, the new Warhammer 40,000 magazine that was coming out. Um, what's that called again? Uh, Wait, we can get it in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. As of today. You should definitely go check that out oh. right now. Um, Where do you subscribe to that at, John? Oh, man, that's a great question. But one of our Patreons uh, brought it up in the Discord. Good old Russell. Um, what a champ! What a champ! Uh, yeah, and he received his uh, Hobbit game that I mailed out to him, which I would also never use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know the worst part about it? Okay, so I was like, yeah, I thought it was like he's he's had that on search for a while. He was super excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. and then so I sent it to him because I'm like, look, dude, I'm never gonna use it. So we shipped it out to him. Um, thanks to the podcast, and then he has to pay thirty dollars import ta- or thirty pounds import tax on it. What? Yeah. Seriously? For, for Brexit, he got like a little note in the mail say he owes 30 pounds. I'm like, dude, do I owe you? And he's like, well, I'm getting a Hobbit box for 30 pounds. So, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's fine. I mean, that's pretty good, especially since it's not sold anymore. Yeah. Um, and again, like, just talking to him, like, I would rather, like, he plays a lot of Lord of the Rings and is a big fan of that system. So, I would rather go to someone who's actually going to use it. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Danny, while you were out at another town... Um, I had you pick me up um, all of the Death Shroud they had in stock. Um, oh, yeah, so one. So one, <laughs> which is, uh, I'm still, my wife was like, are you going to cancel one of the other two boxes you have in order from the local store? And I'm like, no, I can take 18. And I think uh, I, when all of those come in and the stars align, I think I'm going to try a game with 18 Death Shroud because uh, I think that would just be hilarious. I think 18 Death Shroud, 10 Blight Lords, um, and like a character in Pox Walkers and just screw the support. We're just going all out, just crazy Terminators uh, for the memes. Uh, something I've been talking about in this way that is my ability uh, to just have fun with meme lists. Um, sure. So, something else I did. Uh, yeah, I just I really just organized, tidied. Um, we got the new books. Again, I'm very, very excited for the, the Terminus Ass Assault Force. I think that's a really fun way to play Death Guard. Uh, I don't think the limitations are crazy bad. Uh, your army's gonna have a lot yeah. less. Uh, your army's gonna have a lot less killing power without kind of uh, plague burst crawlers and and dreadnoughts and other things like that. But mm-hmm. ninth isn't about killing; it's about holding objectives and scoring points and and doing secondaries. And you can build your terminus as assault force to maximize secondaries and be just pumped full of objectives secured. And it's just like if you most terminus as force lists I'd be making or seeing that have eighty to one hundred pox walkers. If you're spending your time mm-hmm. shooting 80 to 100 Poxwalkers, cool. My 25 Terminators are going to come through and just fuck you up. If you shoot the Terminators, cool. My 100 Poxwalkers are going to just hold all the objectives and do all the things. So I think it's a great list. 
Um, and that psychic tree is a little costly on warp charge, but man, is it so good. Um, yeah, no, it, man, those powers are awesome. Uh, so expensive, but man, they, they are great. So I'm excited to kind of finally get that out and, and get that going. And outside of that, very little. I've been enjoying the new models that have been coming out. Uh, the, the, some of the new sisters models, even the one with the weird face, um, the judge dread and sister. Have you seen that hand? Yeah, it's the pose is a little unfortunate. I do enjoy the background of that character, though. Like, yeah, it's really cool. It, Sorry, the, I'm not to, like. Okay, I don't think the model is as bad as other people are saying. Um, but I think it's I think it's fine. I like the idea of the sisters having a commissar who can look at someone and go mortifier, like ah oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> or like. Oh, I thought um, it was like a chaplain. Yeah, well, and they decide who becomes Rapantia, who become like who gets entombed in the mortifiers, like that kind of thing, like that too. So, like in the fluff, um, like they are the deciding force. So if you fuck up bad, they'd be like, "Well, time to join the Rapantia to really make up for that." And you're like, "All I did was not close the door after me," and I'm like, "Well, off you go." Uh, but I guess generally, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great addition. Uh, I like seeing the new Skatari character too. It's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in or it fits in with the new range um, and, the, Absolutely. and the new combined book. Because I think this is going to be a real, like, I think more than Drakari, I'm really excited to see the Mechanicus book because, or the Admech book, because it's been split between so many publications for so long now um, that having everything pulled in to be finally one unifying book, like before, like in 7th or 8th, where we had Codex Skitari and then Codex Admech. And then Codex Imperial Knights, and then everything sort of got pulled together a little bit, uh, and then they released right. a bunch more stuff to go with it. And then, like, and now we're gonna see, I think, truly what their vision for that army is gonna be. Um, and I'm pretty excited uh, about what that is. Um, I think it's gonna be real good. Uh, and, and I want. Yeah, see- I hope they take knights out of it. To be honest, like, I hope that that's not a part of the book because they should be their own faction. I hope it's um, like they did in the. Uh, the Warzone hard on, um, where like it's a stratagem to add keywords to knights mm-hmm. or something yeah, be cool. s- similar to that, right? Because I mean, that works, uh, but yeah, well, lots of lots of cool stuff coming. Um, we are gonna take a quick break. Uh, I think we're gonna cut to Innis, uh, who's gonna hit us with some more, uh, getting good to, um, Heck yeah, soft beats, and then we're gonna be right back. And I want to respond. Uh, we got a YouTube reply. It took some issues with some of the oh. things I said on our wars one of our wars on Charidon reviews. So we'll be right back. Hello everybody and welcome to Lo-Fi Beats to Get Good To. I'm Ennis Wilson and this week I'm here to talk to you about how to pick a new army when your primary focus is developing as a player. A question a lot of people will ask is, I'm trying to get better at 40k, what army should I play? And it's not a question that has an easy answer, because obviously collecting an army is a very personal thing. You're always going to want to play an army that that looks good to you, one that you're going to enjoy painting, and one that has a playstyle that really just vibes with you. And that's important, but there are also factors to consider when you're purely focusing on development. I personally own a few armies that I bought just because they were good, and I don't really like them, I I don't think I've added to them since I bought them, but I have armies that just... I bought because they were good at the time. 
and that's something that is hurdle to get over um, and if you're looking to be really competitive it's something that you might want to start looking into but just to focus purely on I'm trying to get better at the game how do I pick a new army that's going to let me do that and the things that I would say to that are there are two there's kind of a spectrum of armies that will do all the lifting for you to armies that will do none of the lifting and armies that do none of the lifting are the ones that are really bad and armies that do all the lifting, lifting for you are armies that are really really good so the top of the meta whatever the best thing in the game are now will generally be easier to play just because you've got so much raw power in your list you don't have to worry too much about it what i generally recommend is picking an army that is somewhere in the mid-tier region and has a very high focus on the skill you're looking to develop so for right now for example if you were looking to develop a strong ability to play melee you might consider looking at tyranids or uh, Chaos Space Marines rather than Death Guard or Harlequins which have a very high focus on it and are very powerful armies just because the skills they teach you won't necessarily be as transferable because you've got the army doing so much lifting for you just in its raw power. Having a weaker army will mean that you as a player will have to play better. You will have to make your tools do more for you than the book says they should be doing. And that's really where skill as a player comes from because then you can take those transferable tools and be like I know how to play this army really well, and I learned how to do all this combat jank. And then you get to apply it to every army you play, which could be a top tier army. And then you get to say, okay, I know how this, I know how the game works, I know how it works at its fundamentals, and I can apply that across the board. So in previous editions, my go-to recommendation, or in 8th edition specifically, was always Gene Star Cults. Because they were good, but not great for most of the edition. And they really taught you how to be very finessey as a combat player. Now, I would recommend, yeah, something that's not Space Marines as a combat army, and probably not Dark Eldar as well, uh, just based on the way their rules are looking. If you're looking at a middle-tier shooting army, you might try something like an Iron Hands Dreadlist that will really teach you how to get the most out of a very small amount of units that have a lot of shooting power, but need protection and need to be maneuvered carefully. And that's what you're really looking for, is an army that will teach you transferable skills, rather than an army that's just going to win games for you. And yeah, just to finally cap off again, this is a very difficult hurdle to overcome. If you are looking at a price barrier or anything like that, and you are trying to figure out, I, I need to make sure that the army I buy I can play for two, three, four years, don't do this. This is not, not advice for you. This is advice for the person who already has three or four armies, and they're like, I want a fourth or I want a fifth as a hobby project, but I also want it to be one that I can, or not necessarily as a hobby project, I want something that I can practice on. I want something that will make me a better player. And if, you are, if you're playing on TTS, or if you are looking at buying a new army specifically for this purpose, this is the advice you should follow. Is pick a mid-tier army that has a high focus on the skill that you are looking to develop, and then work on the fundamentals of the game, so that you are not being held back by your army, because you don't want to be playing a game where it doesn't matter what you do, uh, your army is just so fundamentally weak that it's not going to do anything for you, like GSC now. And you don't want an army that's so strong that you will never know if you're actually getting better at the game or if it's just the army being really good. That's the kind of balance you want to hit there. And bounce it off your friends, see, see what's filling a gap in the meta, borrow an army if you have to for a couple of games, and then commit after that. Don't just jump into the deep end with a brand new army just because you think you want to play its style or get better at its style. But have it as a consideration in the back of your head. If you're really looking at getting better, play armies that are mid-tier in the skill you want to get better at. Alright guys, thanks very much. Back to John and Danny to, I assume, whinge about centaurs.
the rest of the show will not be Santor based. Um, is something <laughs> I want to point out there. I know when it when Inna sent this to me, he said it should be right up your street. Play bad armies, consider it validating or something. Um, and then he <laughs> he's like, I actually said play medium armies, but bad armies is a better headline. So just grabbing those headlines out there. What what's your take on that, uh, Danny? Um, of, of well, I mean, okay, so. I had a lot of armies. So I had a lot of armies like when I started playing this, like when I started taking this game a little bit more seriously. And I think the army that really helped me to kind of understand like what different things do was, uh, was Drukari. Like when I started playing them in third edition, um, well, I guess it was, I guess it was fourth edition at that point in time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started playing them. I played them pretty, pretty heavily. Um, man, that army was super hard to play and super janky. So when I was actually able to win games, it felt super rewarding. And I really, I really got a lot of good experience in the game from that. Like positioning was super important. Um, I managed to pull off some good tricks that I had to, to win because that's all the army had. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I think playing not the highest tier army is probably a really good, is, is a great way to get good. And uh, playing like a medium tier army is a good way to like win some games, but also not, but also learn something and really get better at the fundamentals of 40k. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I would say like, I didn't, it didn't really finally click for me recently until I started Death Guard last year as a, a soul army. And I mean, they weren't necessarily the worst at the time. Um, <laughs> but generally, I find any army that forces you to be cognizant of ranges, buffs, auras, and building around that makes you a better player um, and makes you kind of think about it more. Um, and I have actually started trying to branch out to other armies that aren't great right now. Um, as, as a way of being like, okay, so I can do this with Death Guard. Is that purely because my rules are newer? I have some secondaries that I can take? Um, or is it like generally from a place of, of better skill? So if I'm like, I'm trying to reach out and get like a, a considerably worse army to flex some of those brain power muscles uh, <laughs> to try, you know, be like, okay, so if I really enjoy armies with auras and buffs and stacks, what's a weaker army I can play so I can improve on that? Because right now, like with the armies I'm playing, if I lose one or two key things, I, I, I'm kind of boned. Um, so kind of really getting those repetitions in with things that are a little weaker um, makes me better with my main army. Yeah, and uh, another thing I'd like to say, that, that's a great point, John. I totally agree with that. Um, another point that I'd like to add on to that is, and this is maybe a little controversial for our podcast, Ooh. but maybe play a different game um and like that just kind of stretches your no i mean like not in that you suck and you shouldn't play 40k anymore because you're bad at 40k so like just here just take a different game please what i mean by that is like stretch your muscles in an interesting way and maybe that's taking a step in a different direction and trying out a different game and then coming back because like 40k is something you'll always play right but like um i know that i i played war machine for a while um and that really helped with model placement for me because it like they have that game and 40k didn't really have this as much, but aura placement was like model placement for auras and things like that was super important. And so when I came back to 40k and that was a thing, I was, I was so good at it. I was so good at double checking. 
like all my ranges and everything else all the time. Um, and that really, that really helped me. Um, and Malifaux really helped me kind of concentrate on objectives over killing my opponent. Cause like there were, there were games that I play of that where I just blast my opponent right off the table and, uh, that just doesn't work in 40 K. And so really kind of like refreshing. Oh yeah. It's good to just play the mission and win that way. Like that's a way better way to win and it's more consistent. So, yep. But also you could play a mid tier army. That's, that's yep. another good way to do it. Or a gene sealer cult, you know, whatever works. Yeah. Or, or just a bad army. John. <laughs> see, I, cool. you can do that too. See, I'm just, uh, I'm just doing it before they get a book and turn really good again. So I can be like, well, I've been playing them since they were bad guys, like three months ago. Um, Free bandwagoning. Free bandwagoning. And I'm like, this picture is hurtful and I'm on it. Um, So something I said in one of our last videos, uh, which was the... The the review we did of the Cult of Strife rules uh, from Warzone Hard-On rubbed a few people the wrong way. Which, you know, obviously as a super popular person who never irritates anyone in the world uh, and generally gets on with everyone, um, was surprising to me. But it all came from the fact that before we started our review, uh, I sort of addressed people complaining that there was a supplement to a codex being released on the same day as the codex. Um, I th- yeah, okay. What did the babies say, John? So <laughs> I think <laughs> our, um, our, our take on it was obviously with COVID and shipping delays, this wasn't supposed to come out the same day as the Drukari codex. Um, that's just kind of where it landed. Um, uh, we also uh, said things like these are optional rules. You really don't have to use them. Uh, and then the, we have pointed out that each of the different things in there, it's like the admeg stuff, the, the death guard stuff, the Jakari stuff is very flavorful and adju- makes you adjust your army in a way that, that turns it from the way the main book was meant to be. So this cult of strife yeah. changes your force from a Jakari force to a cult of strife force, which plays very differently. Uh, the terminus S force, uh, changes your force to something that's very different than a standard death guard force. Um, so just giving you more options. Um, so I say we go over this thing, uh, mainly it's, it's broken down into five points. Um, holy I would've... shit for real. Someone made a five point comment on YouTube. They, they put more effort into that than our video. Uh, if you can <laughs> see what we I did. Mean, we put virtually zero effort. So of course you did. Of course. Of course. So, um, the first point, okay, let's face it. No one likes a complainer in life, but customer complaints, yummy, yummy, keep them coming. It's one of the main ways a business game hobby can continuously improve. If people don't complain or most or let a company know their thoughts and feelings on their products, plans, and directions, how are they supposed to know if people, customers, are fully satisfied? Oh, man, I have so many things to say this. <laughs> I would say the reason I think... Danny and I, and I'm going to speak for you, uh, react so viscerally to, to this is because generally there's no constructive criticism to this. It's all just viscerally, viscerally negative, um, from a very small population. Competitive players make up like 10% of the total 40 K market. Um, so yeah, if you have, and if we think that half of competitive players are complaining, if you have 5% of your customer base yelling at you at something, you're not going to think it's a bad thing because 95% agree with you. But Danny, you, you were saying before I talked for you. No, I mean, that's exactly it. It's not constructive at all. Like, what are they supposed to take from this? 
like they, I mean, there should be more rules in the codex. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you, I, don't, I don't know where you want me to go with. Like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing there for them to act on. So like my thing for this is just because the different forces in there do change army construction for those specific armies so drastically, then it does befit a new release. If it was just bonus stratagems or bonus relics then yeah, it should just be lumped in with the main book. But again, all of these forces allow you to construct your army in such a different way. Well, wait, hold on. So the Cult of Strife is just stratagems and relics and warlock oh. traits. Well, uh, so my army's different. That being said, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, John. <laughs> that being said, like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'll hear out the rest of this guy's, this, this, sorry, I assume it's a guy. I shouldn't assume that. Like, I'll hear out the rest of this person's complaints about um, what they, why they feel like this is such a terrible thing for them to do. Okay. Uh, number two, shutting down complaints just because you don't share them isn't really in the spirit of customer service. And any business that thinks and acts like that wouldn't last long. Bootlickers can only get you so far. Well, we are not GW. I, I will say, yep, yeah, one, we're not GW. Uh, two, we're entering the fifth year of this podcast, uh, which Danny has been, I've been on since the start. Danny, you've been on since the first year. Um, and then full-time for the past two and a half years, I think now. Two years? Yeah. Yep, yeah, uh, pretty much like that. that so, right. um, and I wouldn't necessarily say we're bootlickers as we're not actively looking for things to hate. Uh, and we understand. We're just not negative. Yeah, like, we we just we we try not to take like a negative perspective on everything, but okay, sure we're bootlickers. Yeah, cool. Um, number three, it doesn't fit their usual business model of having a supplement being released at a later point in time, giving a player something to look forward and spend on again. So it's out of order. Which again? Oh Jesus Christ! COVID. Sorry, you got your shit early. <laughs> it's- Fuck. COVID. And if we look at it, Death Guard was supposed to be December. I believe your carry was originally slated for January, um, which would have put the supplement at March, which um, between the two, where if you, if you have a book with that uh, Death Guard, your carry, Admech, and Knights um, spread out across that time, this supplement comes right in the middle of the release schedule, which sort of makes sense. Gives you a preview of where yeah. Knights and Admech are going. That's uh, it. Death Guard and Jukari. Maybe Admech's already out. Who knows? Maybe. Like, Who knows? Because. Global shipping got fucked up, but these orders go in advance, like months and months down the road. And all of a sudden you have someone calling you and be like, Hey, we have like a hundred thousand of these books in a warehouse. And we're like, Whoa, let's hold off for two months because we don't want to release stuff too close together. Right. Point in the fourth, having these two books out at the same time, when a player is sitting down to build a list with potentially some rules release in another book that could work with, and maybe not being able to afford the extra dollars, pounds, euros, just to use a single page back and front with more rules in it is just plain annoying. Maybe if you're getting free books sent to your door, it might be hard to empathize with other players in this situation. No, I don't empathize with you. Uh, <laughs> I had to buy Warzone chart on, or uh, sorry, hard on, hard on, and, uh, and like <laughs> I had to buy Codex um, Drucari. Right. So, like, yeah, like I'm still spending money on this stuff, and I would still buy it even if. I wasn't getting the books for free or, and I don't, sorry, some of the books for free. Yep. I would still buy this stuff. And sorry, you also don't have to use this if you don't want to, like there's nothing, there's nothing that GW is doing to like force your hand into, into using this supplement. You don't have to use it. There, there is this feeling 
of you owe me rules. Um, and we, it's and, crazy entitlement. And there's an entitlement to this hobby now. Uh, and I will say we, you mean, do we get review copies of books? Sure. We do. That's no secret. And again, thank you for, for sending it. Uh, thank you for people who watch it and the feedback we get. And it's generally very positive. If you look at, um, this from a, a purely kind of time hours perspective, uh, we received our copy of Warzone Hard-On and the Drakari Codex uh, for review Friday at 4 p.m. Um, we were told we can release information about it Saturday at 2 a.m. Uh, Danny, we both work full-time jobs. This might surprise some of you, um, but this is not our careers uh, because we're not very good at it. So that's quite, yeah, well. quite but we try so hard. <laughs> we, we try so hard. Um, but it's very uh, small turnaround time. So I think between filming, editing, uploading, it was like five hours total. So it was very minimal that we put into it. But if you still look at that, if the total value of those books is about $100 US, which for our minimal time we put into those two reviews, which again, it was some great information. It was purely from like a lighting sound editing point that, that it wasn't great this time. Um, that's $20 an hour. Uh, for editing, filming, uh, me going to Danny's at like eight o'clock on a Saturday night to film till midnight to go to work at five the right. next morning to edit at two p.m. the next day. Uh, yeah, let me tell you about overtime for ten for effectively ten dollars an hour for each of us. <laughs> is pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Um, but again, again, we're very blessed to be in the situation we are, so we don't complain about we are. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. And I get that it is nice that we are trusted uh, with these things and we do get to make the content that we get. So again, I, I kind of see your point in that, that where maybe it's a little harder where we do get that and our complaint is, oh man, we have to make content. Ugh. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing forcing you to buy these books. And we're, when we do, we do this because we like to make the content because it's something that we really enjoy. So it has nothing to do with, like, I think that we would do book reviews and that kind of stuff, regardless of whether we got. Oh, yeah. And we did before. But James, please don't stop sending yeah, us stuff. James, really like it. Before James uh, started sending us stuff, we did reviews on codexes and books that we mm -hmm. got, uh, and we went and bought them. Um, okay, last point here. Uh, new players that might not know anything about how Games Workshop releases their books might look unfavorably at having to spend more for those two extra pages. Counterpoint. Why are you confusing a new player with a supplement that they don't need to learn how to play the game? Yep. So if you have like, if you're a professional video game player, say Overwatch is your jam. If you have someone who has an interest in playing Overwatch, you'd be like, hey man, that's not fair. They have to buy this $5,000 computer, this special mouse with programmable keys. They have to buy all this stuff to go with it too. It's not really good, easy access. Are you going to be as good as one of these pro players if you don't have that stuff? No. You still play. You still have fun. Right. None of this is stuff you have to have. Um, and then uh, the roundup is, point is that as players, fans, and supporters, uh, these kind of stupid things don't maximize the quality of experience and don't help with the brand's image which is either long-term players that are fully invested in the hobby or new players that might want other people to join in the fun with them. Uh, might spot and say, that seems a bit of a ripoff to expect me to fork out more money to complete a codex on the same day so I can fully enjoy the initial building stage of the hobby. Fair enough, with COVID, etc., it's outside of the norm uh, at the moment, but that is the reason that could be specifically addressed or countered. 
Um, and again, to that, I say none of this is essential. You don't need Warzone Charidon to complete your Drakari army. You can build a perfectly functional, great Drakari army without Warzone Charidon. You don't even have to play Cults of Strife. You can play one of the other two witch cults that are detailed or make your own witch cult out of the rules in the book. Like, you have lots of options here, and this is just another one. And if you want to if you want to pay through the paywall, go ahead. If you want to try out the rules, I mean, there's a reason why we show the full pages of the book on our, on our podcast, <laughs> on, on our reviews. Like, so check it out and see if there's something that you want to spend the money on so that, like, if... If you're going to an official tournament you have the physical copy of the rules with you so i think like i mean he has a lot of points that are brought up uh, and this is why i wanted to bring it up and again but i don't know the gender so yeah they bring up a lot of points that are repeated quite often to us which is kind of why i wanted to bring it up here to point it out one thank you for your feedback if that's how you're feeling great i really appreciate yeah. you bringing it up um sure but one of the downsides and we talked about it with val um two episodes ago i think holy cow it's been so long um we're doing too much content danny two episodes ago two or three or something yeah um but when we're talking to val about the the rise of warhammer community uh, and kind of there's a real big fear of missing out in the community now yeah Um, yep there's big fomo and that produces this reaction where well i have to buy this book or i have Mm -hmm. to buy this thing what if i don't have it um and all this is is like extra fun rules to have like if you go to art of war stream they're not playing call of strife all the time are they are they playing terminus Est all the time no i mean they might do it to, oh. the, the first time to see what it is but they're not must have rules they're really cool they're really flavorful there's some really cool crusade stuff in there um but again we i think we as a community have to get over this fomo Otherwise, we end up with, you know, John cleaning out his thing, be like, why the hell do I own an unopened box of Helverans? Like, like I've literally never collected a knight's army, and I have enough knights for a knight's army. And that's because I'm yep. like, oh, it's so cool, I got to have it. Let's get past that. Pick two armies. Stick to it. Don't be like me. And now I have to sell all my Eldar. Don't be like John. No, and now I have to sell all my Eldar and Tyranids. Oh. It's ha- well, I don't have to. I'm choosing to because I'm never going to use them again. Um, I have too much fun with a different style of play. Um, okay. Anything else you want to add on there, Danny? Uh, no. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate that you took the time to to post some feedback. I do. It's just your points were bad. <laughs> it's okay to so, miss out. I didn't get a void shield yeah, generator first time around. It's not a big deal. I still play the game. Um, new players don't have access to some models. It's okay. We'll survive. It's on us as a community to be welcoming, not as GW uh, as a company to be welcoming. Yes. Yes. Let's take a little bit of personal responsibility on that. Uh, We got a couple new Patreons this month, both of whom loved the following commercial. Uh, So we're going to play it. Uh, We're going to enjoy some really popular ads, and then we'll be right back. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, a a specific mission uh, from the GT back and how to get good at it. Earl Hagen was a legend. In 1960, he whistled his way into Hollywood and into our hearts. Decades later, he made a comeback, lending those lustrous lips in the 1980s to such bands as the Scorpions, Guns N' Roses, and Pat Benatar. 
a half century after his humble beginnings, he's at it again. This time without cumbersome musical accompaniment, he'll have you wetting your whistle and whistling along. His new album, Earl Whistles Disney, is sure to be a hit with all generations. Order now and receive a bonus album, Earl Whistles More Shit, a collection of previously unreleased material of Earl's favorite songs through the years. On this bonus album, he demonstrates his newly mastered technique of inward whistling. Order yours today on compact disc or double-length cassette. Also available at fine retailers such as Walgreens, CVS, and participating Sam Goody stores. Earl Whistles Disney. Buy it today. Uh, classic and, and very popular. Just an excellent commercial. An excellent commercial. Um, Peter from NGC40K uh, recorded us for that years ago, and I think it's one of the few that I use to this day just because I enjoy his uh, whistling talents. He's a good whistler, man. He's very good, very good. Okay, so um, we we've got some popularity about our opinions, and that scares me a little. But hey, let's let's keep it, let's keep it going. Uh, we've actually started providing uh, tactical advice. I think Innes has inspired us to be like, well, shit, he can't be the only one who's smart on this. Well, podcast. yeah, if Innes can do it, then anybody can do it. Exactly. So. That's I think that's the Team Scotland motto for WTC. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Um, so oh, man. we're going to go through uh, mission by mission uh, from the GT tournament packet uh, 2020. Uh, and then hopefully by the end of this uh, 2021 will release and we'll have nine more episodes of content coming through. Uh, perfect. perfect. It's it just a, it just, it just works. This is pack plus content, Danny. Um, so we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, the first mission from the GT pack, a retrieval mission. Uh and the wonderful narrative, the battlefield is strewn with discarded equipment, supplies, and other detritus of war that for various reasons you wish to recover. You must recover as many of these vital objectives as you can without sustaining unacceptable casualties in the process. So this mission, you're the bitch, is going to go clean up the war that someone else had. It's, it's like you're going to go pick up some trash <laughs> and maybe some surplus supplies. Don't die. full of MREs, some of which have been opened. Who knows? But they're probably still good, right? Maybe. Don't die while it doing it as well. That's right. Um, um, so retrieval, yeah. the, re the retrieval mission is kind of uh, hammer and anvil style deployment. And that means that using the short board edges as your backboard edge. Um, and so you're deployed 24 inches away from your opponent. Um, there are six objectives in this mission. Um, there are four in no man's land and one pretty deep in your own deployment zone. Um this mission has the take and hold progressive objective, which means it's a hold one for five, hold two for 10, and hold more than your opponent for 15 points. And the mission-specific secondary is minimized losses. This is but one battle in a greater war. If we are to consolidate our gains and prosecute the longer war, you must ensure that the lives of your warriors are not carelessly thrown away. So uh, this is minimized losses. At the start of the battle, add up the number of units in your army. This is your army's strength. If a unit is, is splits to form two more individual units during the battle, then immediately increase your army's strength accordingly. If a unit merges with another unit, then decrease your strength accordingly as well. At the end of the battle, add up how many units from your army are still left on the battlefield, including all units embarked within transports, but including all units that have been added to your army during the battle. If the total is 75% or more of your army's total strength, 
score 15 victory points if it's less than 75%, but is 50% or more of your army strength, then score 10. And if your army is less less than 50%, but it's still more than 25, score five victory points. So that is the retrieval mission. John, what do you think about retrieval? So I like retrieval a lot. Uh, you start with the ability to absolutely hold one objective. Uh, so there is absolutely yep. no way turn two. You should not be scoring at least five points on this. And you have those other two within really easy reach. Uh, so yeah, they're about four inches outside of your deployment zone. Uh, so yeah, looking at it there, yeah, about four inches outside of your deployment zone. So even poxwalkers or your, your slowest troops can make it there and hold that. Um, so there's really no reason why you can't be earning 10 points turn two for this. And looking at maximizing points and the way this board is laid out, the, the I think the path to victory in this primary is how well can you remove troops from your opponent's uh, uh, objectives? Because you have to think that by turn two, you are both holding three. So while uh, you're both holding 10, you're denying those final five points to both of you where some well-placed shots can really, really uh, screw over your opponent. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, just making sure you're holding as many of the objectives as possible um, is always a good game plan. Um, it does make a six objective mission makes do- things like domination a little bit tougher because you can't only hold, have to hold three, you have to hold four. Um, so uh, that's kind of tough. Also, since you, your opponent does have a deeper deployment zone, it means that shooty armies are going to have a little bit more of an advantage in this mission, but they do have to still move up to mid-table to get those objectives that are just outside of their deployment zone. But they don't have to move further than one inch out of their deployment zone to control an objective in the midfield. So they may be okay with just taking 40 points all game like by just trying to hold two objectives. That just might be the way that they try and play the game, which is... Not a bad way. And I think definitely your my play in this mission, at least, is to uh, I want multiple units on each objective uh, to really for like I, I want to ensure that I'm holding uh, more. So if you have like a single Correct. unit on there, that is bad times because that unit should be a priority to get shot off um, because anything that your opponent can do to cost you points in this mission is something they're going to try and do. Oh, yeah, big time. So I think you should... I think most people, depending on how badly they're getting whooped, um, are probably going to score 40 points on primary um, just because it's really easy to score 40 points on primary when you have six objectives on the table. Um, Yeah, um, good secondaries for this mission. Uh, Let's talk about those. Yeah, let's talk about minimize losses. It's a a real interesting one, and there's a couple of ways you can really game this uh, army dependent. Um, But it really rewards, I think... Unless it's kind of like a really blowout game, uh, there's not a lot of people getting 15 victory points for this mission. Oh, okay. Or, or I'm completely wrong in this because I can see by, like, I got the standard McDevitt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think if your army concentrates on really tough, dur- a few tough, durable units and has a lot of characters and they can really play the secondary very well. Um, for instance, like uh, I'm thinking of like my Dark Angels army and it's really good at this, really good at the secondary because um, I can lose all the ancillary units and just I just have to keep my characters safe and it's going to be really tough to... And so this stacks up really well with While We Stand We Fight because you're both trying... You're like two objectives, both effectively trying to do the same thing is very powerful. Um, so just trying to make sure that those units stay alive and those are a significant number of your points. Uh, I think, th- I think that's a really good way to go. 
So who should uh, avoid this secondary? MSU kind of style armies. So if you have like a lot of little units um, that are really easy to kill, like you're playing Gene Stealer Cult or Drakari or um, maybe Craft World Eldar, depending on what your build is, I, I think those could be really tough. Uh, this could be a really tough matchup for you. Or uh, sorry, a really tough secondary to achieve for you is what I mean. Guard would be another one I would avoid. Yeah, just anything with like weak troops that you can really but, easily clear, right? Or, sure. But that being said, right, if they kill nine guys out of a squad, they've still gotten zero points for this if you pass your leadership or if that's the last guy left after morale. So, like, if you can hide that guy for the rest of the game, which is not super hard to hide one dude on a table, um, you could really maximize this pretty well because you have a lot of units that can kind of soak up the losses that you're going to take. And it's really uh, forcing your opponent to make some difficult choices of are they going to try and maximize their primary points or are they going to try and deny you your secondary? Like, what, what right. is best for them in that moment? So, yeah, for sure, it's a, a super interesting mission for that. Um, so I think in this mission, other ones that are really good, um, I think deploy scramblers is a really solid secondary, um, because they have that super deep deployment zone for them to try and, uh, like screen you out on. I think it's hard to do that in this mission. Especially because they're um, driving you to the center of the table to get those other objectives exactly. too, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's hard to, it's hard to screen that out. Um, I think banners is a good one on this mission too, because you can walk up and do banners and do three banners on turn one. Um, and that'll get you, let's see, uh, two, three, four, five, and then six. So that'll get you 15 points if you can just keep your banners on your side of the table, which is pretty easy, honestly, I think. Um, uh, that's pretty solid. Uh, I mentioned while we stand, we fight is a good one to combo up with that mission secondary. Um, I think grind them down. If your opponent takes the, if you, if your opponent takes the second, if that's secondary for minimized losses, may not be the worst play um, because they're trying to minimize what they can do. You're trying to kill their units. So you might as well get points for trying to kill more units of theirs than of theirs than they kill of yours. Um, I think uh, engage on all fronts is a lot better than line breaker, but that is a deep deployment zone. So line breaker might be a decent choice in this one as well. Um, but engage on all fronts is a lot easier to achieve, especially since like the enemy's objectives are nowhere near the center of the table and there's not a central objective. Um, Jake. as far as racial secondaries, mm -hmm. um, I think that, uh, the Necron one, uh, purge the vermin is really good on this one because you can keep them out of your side of the table and score a lot of points on that. I think Drukari have like a similar one as well, right? Yeah. Drukari have the exact, almost the exact same secondary. So that's a, that's a good one for them. Um, uh, ancient machineries is good for Necrons here as well. Um, because you have to designate three objectives outside of your deployment zone. And so these objectives are right next to you. So you can literally walk up in action and do that every single turn on one of the, one of the two objectives that you have. And you're going to get, I mean, you're going to get 15 points on that. If you can keep your unit alive every time you action. So, and keep the enemy away from that, of, of that objective. So that's, that's, that's a really good one too. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, just speaking from my experience, that spread the sickness is a good one for this as well because yeah, you're pretty much yeah, guaranteed sure. nine um, from that. And if you can drive off, which you should be trying to drive them off the other objectives anyway, you can easily get 15. And Space Marines have one too where if you kill an enemy off of the objective, I think they get three points for that, something like that. I think 
Right. I think they have that one. Um, maybe that's a Space Wolf one that I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, there's a, there's so many good like, uh, and there, there's definitely a bunch of Marine ones that'll be pretty solid. The Dark Angels one, where you have to have a unit that sits on an object, obsec unit that sits on an objective all game, um, is pretty freaking great for this mission because you can just sit in your deployment zone with an obsec unit and be like, okay, uh, come get me because I am moving. <laughs> <laughs> How do you so, rate this mission compared to the other ones here? Uh, this mission is pretty fun. Uh, I definitely like playing this one. Um, I like six objective missions. I think those ones are really cool. Not as much as, not quite as much as I like five objective missions. Those I think are the sweet spot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun. I I, I give this one a uh, four out of five. Oh man, man, I was gonna go for four and a half, but I, I guess we'll it's stay four, four goss flares out of five. Four goss. Okay, well we're gonna go to uh, three and a half, uh, two combi bolters out of five, but it has double the shots, okay. so it's the same. Uh, number of stars <laughs> uh, we're gonna take uh, a quick break like i said I, I think both of us really enjoy this mission um it gives you some really nice tactical options of, of denying and gaining hey, points i just want to point out how yeah. proud of you i how proud of you i am right now because you knew how many shots a goss flare had i, I know and, uh, that makes me really happy thank you well, well someone <laughs> like in my covid bubble only takes fucking necrons every time <laughs> that i play them um well, don't worry dude you get to play against dark angel soon enough and you're gonna love every second oh of it. boy can i wait till all my other death shroud come in uh, yeah sure awesome except uh, for the box that i'm keeping here hostage oh, from you god damn that's right you do have half of them <laughs> uh so we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back and speaking of drukari danny's gonna take us through oh. uh, his idea of a great drukari list um after this incredibly stable and not at all overdubbed advert Dude, I'm the best. I took first place at another tournament. First off, stop with the thunder and lightning. You don't impress me. And second, let me check out the BCP rankings. And I don't see you on there. What? Your TO needs to download the Best Coast Pairings app and run events on it. After the event, the results are uploaded into BCP rankings. And the best part, it's easy and free but I play multiple game system. No big deal. The BCP app can be used for any game. A ton of events every weekend are using it, from major international tournaments to local stores. And now that it's available on Android devices, you're going to have some serious competition. There can be only one. BCP Rankings is a fun and exciting way to measure how you or your team stack up. No matter what you play, your score goes to an overall ranking. Or compete to be the best in a game, a circuit, a region, or the world. Download the app or visit www.bestcoastpairings.com for more info. Best Coast Pairings. Are you the best? All right, we're, we're back. What a great advert that in no way overdubs for no reason halfway through a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, longtime Drukari <laughs> player, first-time Drukari caller. Um, starting in third edition, so almost twenty years of playing with glass hammers. Um, mm -hmm. We did a real in-depth review of the Dark Elder or the Drakari Codex uh, up on our YouTube channel. Uh, we both really like the book. Uh, while you really like it, I'm like, I don't want to play that. <laughs> I don't want to play into that. Um, but yeah, what are some of like we we didn't really have time to go through some lists or things we were thinking. What's your takeaway list uh, from Drew Carey or Codex Drew Carey? Good question. Thank um, you. I, I do that. So uh, my takeaway list is uh, I'm going to do Triple Patrol. Um, I decided I wanted to do kind of, I wanted to do uh, Homunculus Covens. I wanted to do 
Um, uh, I wanted to do Cabalites and I wanted to do Witches and I wanted to have all that stuff. Plus I wanted Incubi on my list. So I'm pretty stoked with the list that I got to make here. And then with the, the new rules in Codex Drakari, those uh, three patrols cost no command points, correct? Correct. Uh, which is weird because I also get refunded the cost of the one of the patrols. So it actually ends up being 14 command points. Huh. I feel that'll be FAQ'd. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like that's, that's, not, that's not a thing. Um... But yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see that that is that is an, inter- an interpretation. I don't think that's the correct one, but anyway. Um so I guess I should start and the reason I decided I wanted to do triple patrol as well is because I really wanted to take Drazar. Um he's such a cool character and you have to take triple patrol. Um you don't have to take triple patrol, but you can't do a real space raiders detachment and still have Drazar be your warlord because you have to max out your HQ slots getting the homunculus the Archon, uh, and the, and, uh, 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 the succubus. So anyway, uh, the list that I came up with is, uh, I've got my, uh, Cabalite detachment, um, which is an Archon with blast pistol and husk blade. He's got the gin blade. Um, and then I gave him the always strikes first, uh, or sorry, the always strikes last warlord trait. Uh, that seems really good. Uh, yeah, from someone um, who has a thing that does that all the time, it is real good. You just have to be in engagement range. Like, you just, whatever unit he's fighting gets, oh, strikes last. Like, super cool. And he's got a million attacks at great strength and three flat damage and, 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 and. Uh, then it's also got Trezar. Um, and then I've got three units of five Cabalite Warriors with Blaster Blast Pistol. Um, so they ride around uh, in... Uh, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. And this is all black card, I'm sorry. So this gives me access to Vect. Um, if I wanted to do the aura, I could, but I'm not doing that on this Warlord trade. Which new um, Vect, will... uh, which I like, new Vect, uh, which is one of the, the major changes to this book here. Um, Dude, it's great. Yeah, so maybe do you want to describe what new Vect does for those yeah, monsters so who don't want to give zero... us YouTube ad yeah. revenue? Yeah, and it's a long video for you to watch uh, for the whole thing. But more or less, uh, in a nutshell, Vect is a zero command point stratagem. Use it after your opponent uh, resolves a stratagem that they have. For the rest of the game, that stratagem costs one additional command point. Um, so it just lets you kind of nuke something very intrinsic to your opponent's army, something they're probably going to use more than once. Um, so, like, if you're playing against Space Marines, like getting rid of Transhuman, or not, not getting rid of Transhuman, but making it cost more resources is very powerful. Um, so that's a, that's a great ability. This really makes you rethink um, your entire game plans. I know a lot of people are building armies around particular stratagems and reusing them and using them over and over again. Right. To all of a sudden, these are now cost 50, 30% more. Um, that's some crazy resource management you're pushing on them. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I've got a unit, an Archon, a quarter of the Archon, which is something you probably have never seen on the table before in your entire life. Um, I've got one quarter of the Archon that's uh, four Urgles. Um, and Urgles are a 16-point model um, that has three wounds and a five-plus feel-no-pain, and they have a six-up invul, which decreases to a five-up invul on turn five. Um, so, uh, oh, no, turn two. So, or, sorry, turn two because uh, it's turn three. Sorry. Oh, my God. I'm still... Okay. So it's a six-up invulnerable save that sure. increases to a five-up invulnerable save on turn two because these guys are Blackheart, and they count as being one higher uh, round from power from pain. Um, which is great. Um, and then I have, uh, uh, in this detachment, I have, uh, four, uh, four Raiders, 
Oh, sorry. There's there's also one unit of incubi. Um, I have four raiders and two venoms with double splinter cannons. Um, so cabalites will ride around and wherever I need them to. I'll probably keep venoms for, uh, and they all have grizzly trophies for minus two leadership bubble, um, which just helps to remove things and, and make your opponent's uh, combat attrition a little bit worse. Um, and the raiders, I've got dark lances on them because with uh, Cabal the Blackheart, I get to reroll a miss for every unit, so they get to reroll a miss on their dark lance. So for a one shot weapon, that's pretty solid. Um, and then I've got my witch cults. Um, which is uh, Succubus, who has who's a master Succubus, um, and she's got uh, uh, oh man, what's the name of that warlord trait? Um, uh, anyway, her warlord trait is <laughs> whenever she rolls a six to hit, uh, she does the damage of the weapon she has in mortal wounds to your opponent, um, and then she has the trip tech whip, so she has like ten attacks because of adrenal light on the charge. Uh, ten, 10 attacks that hit on twos and wound on twos at minus three AP uh, that are doing two flat damage. Anytime I roll a six to hit, it uh, does two mortal wounds. And this is a poison two plus weapon. So if your opponent is a vehicle or something like that, I'm only wounding them on sixes. Um, but if I roll a six to hit, you're taking two mortals anyway. So with 10 attacks, there's a good chance I'm going to do four mortal wounds to whatever I'm fighting anyway. Can't really transhuman past mortals. Nope, really can't. Um, and then I've got a unit of, uh, 10 blood brides, um, and they have, uh, I paid the command point to give the leader, the, uh, the relic whip from the, uh, hotly contested cult of strife. Uh, <laughs> uh, you paid $60 to win this game. <laughs> That's exactly what I did in this scenario. 60 <laughs> $60 so that you can't fall back ever from combat. It's a, there's an upgrade to an agonizer that you can take where if you hit your opponent, uh, they can't fall back with that unit. Um, so hopefully I'll charge two things. She can she can whip them and make sure they stay. And then the rest of the witches can like dice up whatever else they're fighting and just beat the crap out of it. Um, and so I gave those witches the plus one strength upgrade. Um, and then I have uh, two units of ten hellions um, that are just stock. And I gave them uh, the the plus one strength upgrade on them as well. So they're strength five. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then my final detachment is a uh, dark creed detachment. I decided to go with dark creed over dark technomancers. Cause like, I don't want to use the flamer trick cause I feel like it's abusive. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't really want to like bank my game plan on doing something that I don't feel like is going to be around very much. Um, and so I've kind of made my racks into like objective holders. So I have one 10 man unit of Hamos of the Hamosites, um, which are the upgraded racks. Um, oh, and I have a master homunculus. Um, he's got, uh, uh, he doesn't have the warlord trait. Um, so, uh, he does have the extra relic, though, so he's going to have the uh, other relic that he can toss from Dark Creed where he, like, takes away your obsec um, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I've got two units of five racks and one unit of ten hemocytes, and then another unit of five incubi. Um, so the nice, so my plan is with this is I want to take raiders that have five um, racks and five uh, cabalites, and I want to throw those up the table. The cabalites can blast stuff, and the, the racks actually are going to get out as soon as I can. Um, cause they have a 12 inch war of an additional minus one leadership. And then also you're going to be a minus one on your combat attrition test. So when you fail that leadership test, you're going to be a minus three and you're going to be an extra minus one on combat attrition. So if you're not Marines, you're going to be hurting for certain. Um, I like that. It rhymes. 
<laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, oh, and there's five more incubi in this detachment as well. So I've, I have three units of five incubi. Um, so uh, I think it fights an assault. I think it shoots okay. It's not the greatest shooting army in the world or anything like that with uh, four dark lances. Um, uh, but it does fight really well and it's very fast. And it kind of gives me some options with the ten man uh, Hellion units to kind of avoid blast a little bit um, and hide them a little bit easier, and then just make sure that on turn two they can advance and charge and really get in there. Um, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, it definitely looks like a fun list for me to play. Um, I don't think it's like the greatest Dark Eldar list, but I think it's definitely got some ability to take the board. It's got some. It's got some ability to hold objectives in the rear. Um, and I think it's got some objective, or I think it's, it definitely has the ability to dice your opponent up in melee because all these units are v- like the incubi, the witch, the the blood brides, the characters are all extremely killy and will re- and will wreck your day if they make it in. So how do you combat? Like, have you come up against this army? Say, how do you combat that? Like, what are your what are your priorities on stopping? So I think what you do is you kind of have to set up traps for your opponent, right? So, and by traps, I mean, you have to make situations that they have to deal with. And, and by that, I mean, they have to get out of transports, which is where they're protected. So ideally you want to shoot down the transports as fast as you can. So that kind of, that kind of uh, peels off a layer of protection because otherwise these units are not very durable. Like they're not durable. So um, you want to you kind of peel off those layers of protection and then shoot the shit out of them. Um, or if you have combat, assault them, assuming that they don't have the ability to make you strikes last. This, this army has five different ways to make you fight last in melee. Um, each one of the Incubi units plus Drazar can do it, and the Archon has it. So just be aware of that as a thing. Um. Yeah, uh, otherwise, um, just kind of uh, uh, watch watch your, uh, uh, so what I mean, and what I, when I said traps, right? So make you, put units on objectives in the middle of the table. Um, and it may seem counterintuitive, like, why would I do that? They're just going to chop me up in melee or, or, or assault me and get extra distance. Great. Then they're in your line of fire. And that's the whole idea. You want to draw them out so that you can shoot them. Like that is entirely the way that you beat this kind of an army. Speed bumps. You have to be able to them to shoot them and, and for them to, anyway. So you have to do that stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? It sure does. I'm taking copious notes here. Uh, hopefully it all <laughs> comes back to bite you. Um, but yeah, it's a really great Dark Elder Archer carry list that I think really speaks to how the, the army should be played. It's fast. It's fragile. Um, but when it hits, it hits like a truck. Um, yep. And again, using auras, uh, using fights last, using a lot of tricks uh, to really protect what's a really fragile base for a lot of attacks of mortals. Holy cow. Yep. Um, we're going to take one more break and we will be right back to wrap this up. Do you like cookies but want something more British? Buy biscuits. Not like those you have for gravy. British biscuits for dunking in your British tea. Stiff upper lip guaranteed. Biscuits as recommended by Queen Liz of the Britons. Well, Danny, we are wrapping this up here. Uh, we were going to talk to uh, Mr. Michael Tampe, uh, High Lord of Terra, uh, as talk about his brand new game uh, that will be launching soon on Kickstarter, Outward Realms. Um, but scheduling yeah. conflicts aside, uh, he has up at outwardrealms.com uh, the full rule set for the game. 
uh, including yeah. missions, how to play. There's some great uh, fo- uh, faction focus articles in each of the four factions that are being shown. Uh, and hopefully mm-hmm. we will get Michael on closer to the launch of his Kickstarter in May um, for some just beautiful models that the, the, he has had designed for this game. Uh, the the studio armies have been painted up by, I believe, the same guy who does all of the Infinity models. So they are painted to just oh an, my God. an amazing quality. Yeah, yeah, and it, they look great, and it looks to be a super great kind of fast-paced uh, game system. Go to outwardrealms.com, uh, sign up for their email alert so you can be kept up to the information for this. Uh, Michael knows games; uh, he's made himself a really tight little rule set, which already has a small FAQ, so you know it's good. Um, <laughs> That's right. So we look forward to talking to Michael yeah, about. Yeah, we yeah. look forward to, to talking to Michael about that more later on. Um, Danny, if you have anything else you want to add on there? Uh, other than, our, of course, our usual plug for the Rogue Trader Network. Hell yeah, um, that we're remembering so... now. <laughs> Dude, we're like three for three at least right now. So we're, we're, doing, we're doing just fine. Um, let's see. So uh, go ahead and check them out. You can listen to Michael on the High Lords of Terror podcast. Um, you can, and they just came out with an episode that I have not listened to yet in full disclosure, because I'm pretty sure it came out, uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, oh, hell yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh, sorry, I just got a last minute letter of recommendation uh, that got sent in. I got an email notification. I'm very, very happy about that. Um, and so then, uh, I've got, uh, we've got the, the dangly boys. Um, uh, man, did you listen? fuck Mary kill uh like rankings of army books it was pretty good it was a great episode yeah um we kind of uh spiritually went along with our rock paper scissors uh, again making fun of the stupid ass way of ranking factions uh, and the importance people place on it but yeah if you have a chance if you can only listen to one episode of dangly boys because most of the other ones are as bad as us uh the fuck marry kill episode is is well, amazing on, or worse let's just put that out there i want to make sure that we're rating them appropriately <laughs> and then definitely check out not an official member of the network but a spiritual member um seth the mad dog uh leader of the dangly boys the dangliest of boys um has his youtube channel that he's really pushing on some amazing content on with some great battle reports and some really amazing org tactica if you want to know about orcs check out seth the mad dog yeah um, and then finally, the, the final member, the junior member, if you will, of the uh, uh, Road Trader Network um, is the NZ40 Shabal. The, the Matt Gates uh, of the, the Road Trader Network. I'm so, I'm so jealous that they get to play in tournaments. Like, yeah. Like actual honest-to-God tournaments. Oh, like, buddy, soon. Let me tell you, I'm already looking at majors this year of traveling for uh, once I get Hell that yeah. second vaccine in. Hell yeah. Same. Big same. Big same. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for sure. Check out all of these amazing podcasts and hopefully more coming soon. Um, something I want to plug is we did uh, a surprise release uh, last week uh, of a special episode um, and look for more of those uh, coming in. We might be streaming something on YouTube. Uh, we might be streaming. We might just release an extra episode, but more content coming from us because I've been very productive uh, this week in creating intros and outros I, I swear to god one person questions my professionalism on uh, video production and i go so <laughs> far over the top making animated <laughs> intros and outros um that, that i'm like well fuck it we have to use it now hell yeah 
It looks great, though. You did an amazing job, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. I, I'm good at this. I know I'm good at this. You um, are. Not you talking, are. but the production part. <laughs> no, no that, that, that's what I meant. You, yeah, you for it. sure. We got it right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess we're going to wrap this up. We'll be back uh, maybe next week, maybe two weeks from now, but most likely two weeks from now. Uh, in person, uh, where we won't have the weird Discord oh, delay. It's going to be great. Um, likely, uh, we will not have a guest next episode uh, if it's Danny and I finally in person together because it'll just be us bullshitting for like an hour and a half about yeah. random-ass things, and I I'm, can't be more hyped for it. Um, but if <laughs> that's all we have, check out our YouTube channel, Mob Rules, uh, Facebook, Mob Rules, aka Patreon. Don't give us money, but you can look at us there and join our Discord. It's don't great. do it. Don't do it. Yeah, there's way better things. You can buy a Coke for the amount of money that you could give us a month to make terrible content. Um, but thank you for all of those who do, because we buy Cokes with that money. <laughs> <laughs> or I think yep. we figured out um, for like someone pointed out we could buy uh, eight dildos a month. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And still. That's uh, that's quite a few dildo. That is that is okay. We may have dildo overload if we have eight a month. Eight a month. Are we using them simultaneously? Because that seems like a lot, or just like one at a time. Uh, 90, Are we gonna get some sounders? Because that's what I'd really like. Ninety six inches <laughs> of, uh, of 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 worm. Uh, so, on that note, uh, for mob rules, I've been John. I've been Danny, and we'll see you next time.